Welcome to the Principles of Performance podcast, where we discuss how to optimize your health, fitness, and performance. Drawing on decades of experience of working as coaches, consultants, and trainers to top performers, athletes, and teens from professional sports to top universities to the U.S. military, Eric Degatti and Mike Perry discuss topics and strategies of how to perform at your highest level and be your very best. Join us and our friends and colleagues who are leaders in the fitness and performance industry as we investigate and challenge the most popular training, nutrition, lifestyle, and recovery protocols. And away we go here with the Principles of Performance podcast. I am your host, Eric Degatti, along with my good friend, Mike Perry. Mike, how are we doing today? I'm well, Eric. It's uh, good to see your, your glowing face today, and we've got an amazing guest. So uh, it's yes. going to be a good one. Episode number 21 is, is another lucky one. Uh, we have a, a, a great guy that I had the good fortune of meeting probably going back about 10 years ago um, uh, through the FMS channels. Uh, his name's John Tarine, and if you don't know who John is, he's a guy who spent 17 years in the NFL as a strength coach, starting with the Buffalo Bills for his first three, and then became the youngest head strength and conditioning coach in the NFL when he got hired by the Colts, where he spent the next 14 years culminating in a world championship with Super Bowl 41. Uh, after his time with the Colts, he continued his work with NFL players at Exos, where he's the director of uh, pro and elite sports with the NFL Players Trust program, service for former NFL players to help transition from pro sports into the real world. He also started the Lean In Con- uh, Coaching Project, providing insight and uh, education to numerous sports organizations all over the globe in an effort to bring multiple disciplines together in support of ultimate and most important resource, what he says is the people inside it. And now he's kind of transitioned into more youth sports and working with something called i9 sports which we'll find all about uh more in new jersey um because john is a jersey guy originally a north jersey guy and for those of you from not from these parts let's just kind of differentiate i'm north jersey i'm sopranos and housewives john is south jersey he's bruce and, and bon jovi so welcome to the show john thank you guys appreciate it well said so we we titled this one General Horseplay because John and I have had a lot of conversations over the years, and usually it's about an hour to an hour and a half phone conversation with about five to eight minutes of actual productive work being done and the rest being pretty much general horseplay. So we're going to try to at least get something accomplished today in the next 45 minutes to an hour. We're trying to learn a few things with some fun packed in between there. So, Mike, I will let you kick off with the first question. And then we'll, we'll see where this thing goes and how far it takes to get off the rails. All right. So, yeah, so we're going to start off uh, just kind of learning a little bit more about you and, and, and sort of what you've done and what your goals are. But so you've worked with athletes in, in a very wide ranging capacity, but it seems to me that it's always come back to being a coach at heart. And uh, what drew you to coaching initially and what what brought you back to coaching? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I was. Uh... I was watching a, a an interview that Seinfeld was doing pretty recently, and he was talking about when he first started out. Um, he had gone to a comedy club and was watching some comics and being. And, and he he said, "I, I want to do that. Like I want to that that. There's something about that. 
and, and, and almost not in an articulate way necessarily, but like something about that. So there was something about coaching as I, as I look back that always kind of fascinated and mesmerized me. But then um, when I was in high school and like every great Jersey high school football player, uh, you know, like, like the Eric Degatties of the world, um, you know, you think you're going to play for the giants and just then, a stockpile of five foot seven Italian tough guys. <laughs> and then rea yeah, reality hits you in the face and you go, that's probably not going to happen. Um, and you know, when, when your gene pools a cesspool, it's, it's pretty tough. And so I got really infatuated with the idea that, okay, how can I take whatever this is and maximize it? And at that time, you know, you're only thinking neck down, like, you know, I got to get stronger and quicker and uh, to whatever I can do. And I, I, I really fell in love with trying to understand that and how to do it for myself so that really could I go play college football at some level? Because um, as I looked at the grades, the, the, there was less time to make up what I had already demolished. <laughs> but um, but in, in doing that, I also started helping other kids, younger kids in high school. And I got as much rise out of that and as much satisfaction out of that about, hey, here's something I've learned. And then I can actually teach this to you and watch you get better at whatever you're trying to do. And that to me is, is, is amazing, right? Like that you can do that. Um, and your words and it can do that. Um, and it can, can, can help somebody do something, uh, whether they want to do it more than they want to do whatever it is. And then that, you know, all of a sudden coaching, opens up this world that like, well, this is a pretty cool platform to, to use for good. <laughs> um, not all, that's a whole, I'm sure we'll get to that, but you know, there's a whole way to not use it for good um, as we're all familiar with, but uh, that's really what, what got, and so I always paid attention to coaches because like they had this thing that, um, they know, right? Like, so like you, do you guys have a coach that you can look back on or a teacher that changed your life? Of course you could. Of course you can. I don't know that anybody that can't, whether it's a coach or teacher, right? Like that's, I mean, you don't know what you have for breakfast this morning, but 35 years ago, you can picture this person that changed your life. That's, that's, that's unbelievable, right? That's a pretty cool deal. So that's so what I'd be doing so the question then becomes, you know, what are the key ingredients to becoming a great coach, whether it's skill or strength coach, coach or otherwise? That yeah, like that's that's what everybody's striving for, right? And and I'm not going to sit here and pontificate. I got the answers. I, I don't. Matter of fact, I laugh. I, I've been so I've never I haven't had to have an original thought my whole life because um, I've been around these unbelievable people and coaches and leaders names you know names you don't know um that that if you're willing enough to to learn as I was a young coach a super young coach in Buffalo with a staff of 
of uh, older coaches um, who were kind enough to tell me that something to the effect of just shut up and listen and you'll be fine. You know? <laughs> uh, so I did. Um, but I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of ingredients I think that apply anywhere, right? Coaching, parenting, as a business, whatever it is. We talk a lot about, you know, everybody talk culture, 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 right? Culture. What does that mean? Well, culture is going to get defined whether you like it or not. So you might as well define it, right? Guy I worked for for a long time, Bill Polian, who's an executive in the Hall of Fame now, um, used to say, hey, you know, we'll define ourselves. And so you have to define a culture you want. We talk a lot about three C's, if you will, right, of coaching, right? You got to care about it, right? And you could insert, I don't care, insert barista, insert car wash guy, insert CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Like, if you care about the thing you're doing, like, you really care about it. And you know if you care about it when you don't know what time it is when you're doing it, right? Like, you leave it better than you found it, whether it's a person or a thing, right? You actually care about it. Not fake it till you make it nonsense. Like, you really care about it. And it'll tell you. Like, you'll know, right? And so when you care about it, you start learning about it and start thinking about it more. And it consumes you and, and, and the paycheck isn't the thing, right? It's, it's getting better at the, you like, how cool is it when you walk into a coffee shop and that person just cares about the deal or the rare car salesman that actually cares about it? Like, how cool is that? Right. And so that's, that's one C. The next C we talk about is commit to it, right? Like make a vow to it. Like you got to commit to it. Right. So like, we talk about commitment as a promise to keep the promise, right? That's like a commitment to the thing, not sort of, not a hobby, like a commitment, not a social media post, not a hack, like a commitment, right? Like that's what you're doing. And so you're committed to this thing and you've given your word to this thing. You've given your word to this team, to this individual in front of you that I'm, I'm going to be here doing this thing with guiding you and doing this thing. And I'm committed to that because if we're not in, we're not in. Um, there's a really, as a quick kind of uh, addendum to that, there's a really cool thing I learned a long time ago. So we talk about this a lot. Like this is, this is math when you go to, so one plus one equals three, right? Obviously one plus one equals two. Um, even William Patterson grads know this, one plus one equals two, but. It, it only we, took 10 minutes, Perry. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> when you look at one plus one equals three, right? You're one, the person you're working with is one, right? So I'm one. I can get better independently. I can learn this craft, whatever it is, strength conditioning. I don't care what it is. I can get better at this craft, so marriage, whatever it is. So I'm getting better. The person I'm working with is getting, they're independently working on their thing as well, right? Because you're probably not with that person 24 hours a day, I could assume, right? So they're working on this thing. So independently, there's one and one, that's two. Together, that's another one. That's three. Right. So one plus one actually equals three. Me, you and me and you together doing this thing. 
So I commit to the fact that I'm going to learn about this thing and get better every day. Because if I find out tomorrow there's a better way to make your uh, hips move, we're damn well going to do it, right? And then you'll do that. And then together we've gotten better, right? And so one plus one equals three. And then the last thing we, you know, the last C we talk about is connection or, or communication. And when you, when you look at Stephen Covey, right? Seek first to understand, then to be understood. Um, that's, that's, that's communication. That's connection. That's listening. Um, that's what it is. Not here's how much I can talk and show you how much I know, right? We all do that as young coaches. Look how much I know and nobody cares. And so it's about seek first to understand where they are right? and then to be understood. Um, and that's, that's, that's super important. And so though I think those three C's make up a lot of the ingredients. Um, I, I think that there's also, right. So that's cute, right. There's, there's a, a, a and, and I saw Simon Sinek do this talking about the years and years ago, um, talking about the Navy SEALs, right. And how they select people or how they know people can make it very simply. You've got, they call it trust and performance on a graph, right? You got character. We, we kind of call it character, right? But trust is, is, is the right word. Um, trust and performance. You could have somebody that's a high trust, high performer. Of course, that's what you want. They're a high trust, high performer in their job. I don't care if they're selling pens, right? You trust them and they're high, but they're competent, right? The worst thing you have, you can have a low trust and low performer who wants them, right? Um, that's really hard to turn that the toxic people are the one of high performing low trust and as the seals say you know that is i trust you with my life i just don't trust you with my wife and so when you start looking at trust and performance right we're all we're in this age now everything oh everything is um uh connection and all that and that's all true but incompetency doesn't work either. Like we all know that's a good guy or that's a good gal and they suck at coaching. Great. Go have a conversation with them, have a coffee with them and they're good people. But when I want you to coach, I'm not inviting you. You also have a high competent coach who might be a low trust, low character person. It's not really a sustainable model. It's a transaction. You're going to get me better. You don't care about me. And I'm not going to wind up caring about you very long either. Right. So competency is, you know, right? I think all roads lead back to Mr. Miyagi. Right. And the karate, there's nothing you can't relate to Mr. Miyagi and a karate kid. He was a high trust guy. But imagine if he sucked at knowing karate. He just knew how to paint houses and wax cars. And you're like, what the? Right. We actually also knew that. That's why we're so engaged with him. He also knew, and he also knew what he didn't know. And he also admitted when he didn't know. You know, he didn't know what a black belt was. He didn't know how to crack a bottle until he did on the car, right? Pardon me, you've never seen the movie, The Young Guys. But so it is this combination, right? You can't be just a confident jerk and you can't be just some awesome dude that doesn't know squat. You're not going to help anybody. You're a great guy. That's fantastic. Um, but there's a combo, right? 
So I, I don't know if you remember, we actually had this conversation uh, a couple of years back. And, and I remember you said, look, I got to jump on this podcast in like 10 minutes. And they, they asked me this question, like, what makes a good coach? And he said, what would you say? So I said, well, and I'm kind of on the, on the spot. I said, well, they're so good at the technical that they're almost obsolete, but they're so good at the tactical that you can't live without them. Right. And so I think if, on the sports level, you know, you look at like what, what, you know, um, is into, we'll, we'll, we'll pat uh, Mr. Perry on the back a little bit and he has Patriots like with Belichick, he could probably not show up to practice and it'll still run like a machine. Right. But his tactical is so good because his game planning is so genius from week to week that that's what made him so essential and made him so successful for all those years. So being able to have that blend, like I'm not a great strength coach because I can show you the best exercises, the best techniques at those exercises. I should be able to get you to be able to do that on your own. But the tacticals, the program is really what you're coming to me for. That's the secret in the sauce. No, it's so, really, really well put. Yeah. So let's, let's kind of, we'll circle back on the your, your, your warm and fuzzy people focused stuff. Um, but let's, let's get into some strength and conditioning stuff. So when you were in the NFL, you, you kind of took a unique approach and kind of went away from the traditional bench squat clean and record boards on the wall and, and really went more towards like player health and movement quality and that kind of stuff. Kind of tell us how you landed on that philosophy. Well, fortunately, um, my my mentor and uh, somebody that is is like family to me still um in training initiating rusty jones who i worked for in buffalo first really that's where i learned um uh uh this kind of how you do it the way we like to do it right there's a lot of ways to do it this is how we like to do it um but it's like this Everybody wants to play, right? John Wooden's discipline was putting a guy on a bench, right? And now as much as people think that NFL players don't mind being fined because they're rich, I can assure you they do. Um, but the ultimate discipline, the ultimate discipline is putting you on the bench. Then nobody wants to be on the bench is what I can only think, which means I really don't want to not play because I'm injured, right? Like the psychology of an injured athlete is something else. And by the way, in pro sports, if your best player isn't playing, um, you know, we were geniuses for a long time and then Peyton didn't play and we went two and 14. Um, so when your difference makers don't play, you, I'm talking about, you know, you, you don't win. Now, this sounds like a no dust statement, but pro sports and youth sports are two different things, obviously. And so if in fact we need to get our best players on a field, um, healthy the right way right marv levy i worked for used to say that 80 percent of a starter excuse me so 100 percent of a backup is better than 80 percent of a starter so you want your most optimum most efficient player on the field now if that's the case and they want to play and they want to play because they want to win they want to play a long time they want to make money all this stuff and so when I got to Indianapolis, I got told, look, we've got um, injuries are an issue. Re-injuries are a huge issue, right? So we all know the guy that's tore his ACL and come back, but we also know the guy that tore his ACL and got hurt again. And the first thing that happens is the doctor says, wasn't me. 
and then the next because the surgery was perfect um but the doctors haven't gotten to a place where you guys have gotten which is understanding that um the right acl clearly had something to do with the left hamstring or whatever right and so because so now as i sat in meetings many 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 meetings when players get older what you hear is they can no longer bend, run, move, change direction. I've never set or they've lost their skill somehow, but it's usually related to that. They can't move, run. They didn't get dumber. They didn't, you know, nothing, none of that changed. I've never sat in a meeting where a player was being uh, evaluated to leave. And they said, he's not strong enough. Doesn't squat enough. Doesn't clean enough. I've never heard it. I also can tell you in 17 years in the NFL, um, I've, and I'm not, look, strength is important. I don't, let's, let's don't swing this like, like you shouldn't be strong. I, 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 I don't want to, I've allowed that to be taken somewhere. You gotta, you gotta lift weights. You gotta be strong and you gotta be powerful. Of course you do. Of course you do. So if that's the case, then being able to bend, move, run, and change direction must be important. And how long can you do that? Um, and and there's a lot of things to keep guys healthy more than that um, uh, 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 and how you practice and other things. But so I so, said, well, you know, how can we do this? Like, and how can we learn what gets guys hurt? And so that's when we, you know, so the, the, the idea was we want you playing optimally being able to move run change and not limping out there not being you know we got accused in india of holding guys out a lot it wasn't that we held them out it's that we actually had a system and a standard of which they had to pass to get back on the field in order that re-injury was lowered nobody's perfect but in order that because re, re the second injury is a psychological nightmare the physical is easy right so we said look how are we going to look at this thing and it was, that was late nineties, early 2000s, something like that. And, you know, you're always looking at things and we came across the screen and I don't want to say the screen predicts injuries and cause an uproar for the 20th year, but um, that's how we started looking at it. And okay. If in fact, can we, you know, you guys, your podcast called principles of performance. Well, these principles in place called mobility, motor control, right? There's, oh, there's an actual sequence. There's a, 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 a neurological sequence to this thing. And if your leg raise sucks, you probably ought to stay there and and, and off we go. Because, you know, um, uh, uh, if we start squatting on a on a bad platform, we're just increasing shitty strength. And, and so, you know, being a, and we're not moving better and changing direction and all that. So that was kind of the um, the way we approached it um and look people you know they guys get hurt when fatigue sets in when they're carrying too much weight um when they can't bend when they don't have you know they don't they don't need to be a 21 screen none of that nonsense um but when when it's in place and then you just have a sequence of stuff um and then go get them strong and powerful So, you know, how difficult was it for you to sort of sell this different approach 
in an environment that's, you know, somewhat dogmatic, right? I mean, this is not the norm, right? And, and you know, how, how did that go at first? Were, was there some pushback or, you know, fill us in a little bit? <laughs> the only pushback we got, and this was in the early days, from the players was, why am I doing so much of this corrective stuff? And I would say, why are you so screwed up? Get less screwed up and you won't have to do as much. Um, that's a sort of side. There's a couple things, right? So, so before, you know, strength coaches want to run out, you know, and think 80,000 fans are there to see them. So first of all, you're only as good as your head coach, your president, your general manager, you know, al allows you to be meaning what's their support level. So when, when a, a Tony Dungy, when a Bill Polian gets up in front of the room and he said, and talks about our program, this is what we do and how we do it and all that, you know, that's not a fear buy-in that's like a buy-in. And so I don't, I don't get into the convincing business and the selling business a lot. We talked before about trust and performance, right? So if I come to you, uh, so we had a player one time, and I'm, I'm with him in training camp. He happened to be coming off a, an injury, and we were getting him back. I was working with him. So another guy comes over to him who knows a lot more than I do about all this stuff, okay? Is a lot, in all seriousness, a lot smarter than I am, knows a lot more than I do. I respect and all this. And I'm working with this guy, and I knew this guy for a few years and, 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 uh, and all that. And so we had a trust with him. And he also knew I had a competency and where I didn't have competencies, I'm more than happy to learn about it. Well, this other guy walks over to him and the guy was doing an exercise and he has his back to him. And he, now this guy didn't know this guy. The player didn't know this guy at all. Okay. The guy walks over to him and makes a rookie coaching mistake. Now he wasn't a coach. He puts his hand on his glutes and he's like, you feel that you got to do that right there. Like that. The player doesn't turn around, says to me, hey, John, tell this guy if he's going to put his hand on my ass, he ought to introduce himself first. <laughs> okay. Do you think that guy's ever going to listen? The player will listen to him again. No, he doesn't even have any kind of cachet with him yet. So when you talk about how do you sell this to the right? So do I, ha do I have trust first? It's the first day I walk up and I got my screen kit and I tell you to squat. Like, Right now, I'm not saying I got to be friends with every freaking coffee shop in the, in the county, but here's this thing. You trust me. You know that I'm competent or at least, or I care about this thing. And so here's this thing. Here's what it means. And I'm just talking about the screen. I don't care what it body comp, whatever it is, right? How you bench press, it doesn't matter. And so this is how we're going to do it. And when they trust you and when they think you have knowledge that can help them, and then once you know something, they think you know something, they actually think you know a bunch of things, right? But do I trust you? Yes. Do you have knowledge that can help me? Yes. Cool. Come do this. Now, I'm not saying everybody went, yeah, John, let's do this. This is all great. I love, I love getting in a pair of spandex and getting in a bod pod machine. This is awesome. Nobody likes that. Nobody likes that. But here's the deal. Here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. I think now uh, in 2022, we're even more so in the why am I doing this era than maybe ever before. And that's okay. That's great. I don't know that. So 
the 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 cell is is like you said you know they're not hearing you about talking about body fat when they're standing there in a pair of spandex they're not hearing you they're not hearing you when they're sprinting you telling them what to do you ever hit freaking anaerobic threshold and somebody's talking to you you hearing them you're not hearing a word so there's a time to educate and inform there's a time to do and there's a time to just let the let the thing do the talking for you. So this this prioritization of, of people and trust and, and culture, making that the higher priority than you know reps and sets and what cool exercise I have versus the, the next next guy. That that's a, a very different mindset. How much were you influenced um, by being around people like Tony Dungy and and being able to take what he was doing on the skill side and bring it into the weight room? It's endless. I, I, I tell people all the time, you've heard me say this, um, you know, when, when a Dalai Lama is confused about life, he calls Tony Dungy. You know, it, 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 it's, it's, um, it's amazing, but it's, you know, and there's nothing wrong with it. You know, look, if I want to lose weight and I call somebody that knows how to do that, I don't need to be breaking bread with them and have them sleeping in my house necessarily. Like I just need the facts too. But you know, there's you got to know what your objective is. Like I'm talking about a team environment, right? Where you're living and dying with people every day. You know, where your livelihood depends upon each other, right? Um, and, and that's what's so cool about team sports. But every 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 transaction isn't about holding hands and we're running off and, 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 and sipping wine, you know? So, um, but in that light, when you're lucky to be around a Marv Levy, a Tony Dungy, a Jim caught these people and the impact influence that they have and how they go about it, like it, for me, it works, right? Like, that's the thing um and it it also wins right like popovich wins right steve like these and so it wins because it's it's real um and that doesn't mean i haven't had arguments with guys it doesn't mean there's guys that didn't like me or vice versa you know um it, but Again, I was so young in the business um, and grew up in it and knew enough to truly be observant in how to do it um, that that's what I kind of saw um, and that's what resonated with me. Hey, everybody, a quick break in the action here. Hope you're enjoying the show and we appreciate you listening. We're working hard to bring you the highest quality content and best guests every single week. So if you could do us a big favor and go and like and subscribe to the show on whatever platform you get your podcasts on, it would be greatly appreciated. Be sure to listen at the end of the show also to find out where you can find out more information about our courses, as well as a special discount code for all our listeners. Thanks again, and let's get back to the show. So I want to shift gears and go down a few rungs. So move out of the pros and let's go down to the high school level. Um, I spend a good amount of time there working with teams and I want to kind of get your feedback knowing that you have 
you know, two sons who are, who are student athletes and who are involved. And we've had these conversations, but I want to kind of have these out loud for everybody to hear kind of your thoughts on what you've seen and experienced what's going on right now at the high school level. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. Right. So my kids are both in college now. Um, what I have so much respect for coaches and the coaching profession, right? Like, like I, I, the word honor is a really important word for me. It's, 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 it's so honorable to teach and coach, right? Go to Japan and see what they think about teachers, right? How honorable it is. And so as I say this, I say this in, in respect and honor of the profession. And here's what, why I say that. Because when I sit in the stands and watch what's going on on our fields and courts and pools and tracks and ice in this country. It's like, how dare you disgrace the sanctity of this thing with these children for your own ego or whatever it is. Now I'm talking about the negative side. Clearly. Um, I've run into more ego in high school and I don't know why. I'm still trying to figure it out than I have in the pros. And I don't know why. I have no idea. Now, there's some unbelievably incredible coaches around in our high schools. Thank God. Um, the common factor I find is um, you, you probably ought to be a teacher first and have a skill set to understand growth and development of children and all that. Um, but to, to use a a child and abuse a child and I'm not even talking about physical and again I'm not talking you know don't don't get me wrong like there's I'm all about discipline and and boundaries and habit like excellence is a standard that 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 must be upheld and there's learning things but to to use kids um to forget why they're there to sell dreams and all these other things is really crazy. I feel bad for a lot of these high school coaches now who are doing the right thing, who are up against um, the, the, the monster private academies and AAUs of the world that can't, you know, I, I don't know where it's a, such a shame that our high school sports have been just um, annihilated at the promise of selling a scholarship, some showcase, some nonsense um the civic pride uh of your high school and the the jacket right and the 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 the, the thing is is you know i'm afraid because it looks like it's you know gone gone awry and you know my we've got a lot of my kids friends that are playing high uh, college sports now most of which are hurt and most of which are questioning their decision who gave their life like i did um i got hurt um to the sport um and so the, these people you know what are the, the the power and the platform that these coaches have is so important that when they abuse it for the sake of and i love to win i'm gonna i love to win but for for winning is the 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 the, the outcome um so they can go to the local saloon i, I don't know uh you know I'm bothered by it. Um, but, but there again, I don't, you know, I got, I know some great ones. It's just, we got to get, we got to get it out there. It's a skill. It's a skill. 
You weren't born with it. Well, to your point, uh, you know, working with the high schools, like I'm on the group uh, coaches chat on uh, for a couple of teams and like to, to see these guys like a month after the season's over, still texting like all day on a Saturday saying, Hey, did you see how they ran backside blast in this, you know, D2 football game and saying, Hey, we got to install that. We could put this kid in here and like the level of commitment and passion that it's on all day. And guys like that, parents, I don't know if they appreciate just how much time these guys, like this is what these guys have dedicated their lives to. Now, switching gears on on the flip side, what you and I have had conversations about is the strength and conditioning at the high school level and how that that position and that coaching kind of a piece, that is very dishonored. Right. And it's just this assumption that because I lift weights, I'll just run the weight room or I'm going to let the D line coach run the weight room because he's got the biggest bench press of our coaching staff. Um, and what ends up happening is um, and, and we've talked about this. It, what you have is basically legalized child abuse. And what I mean by that is like if your kid came home and they couldn't walk and you and you're like, oh, my God, what happened? You said, well, my history teacher made us do this thing and now I can't walk, right? You'd have that guy up on charges. He's been on the front page of your local paper, right? Be on the local news. But if you come home and say, I can't walk, well, what happened? Well, coach so-and-so had us doing, you know, squats or burpees till we puked. It's like, yeah, a tough coach. He doesn't take any garbage. Like that's the, the, the mix up. It's how crazy it is of how we we see things in such a different light once you say that it's strength and conditioning it's like carte blanche that we can pound you into submission which is scary it, no it's a great it's a that's a great way to put it with it with the history teacher right that's that's it's true what what's the difference um and we've got a we've got a long way to go you know the, where i live the high school we have we've got a phenomenal strength coach um there uh, that's his job. I think it's rare in the public school system. Um, but I know it's rare and I think it's rare, but again, if we, you know, like what, what are we doing as strength and conditioning coaches to up level these kids? Now you've got the private places. And so we have a bunch of parents who are well-intended 99.9% of them love their children and uninformed. I think it was Belichick, Mike, actually, and I love this line, a coach that used to work for him told me he used to say this, so I could be wrong about it. But you say, either you don't know, like he would tell a player, say, you know, uh, on a play, right? Either you don't know or you don't care. Once you know, then I'm just going to assume you don't care. Now we got a whole nother problem, right? So I used to think all parents were jerks and all that. Okay. And we tell our staff this all the time. Assume somebody doesn't know at first. Well, they don't know they're not supposed to rob a bank. Maybe they never knew that. I don't know. I don't know. But once I do, once now I got a chance to educate and inform them and have them understand at least what this thing is. And I'm not saying you need to agree with everything I'm saying. But once you do, then you don't care. Like if you don't care, like I don't even know how to handle it. Not like care about it, but you just don't like you don't give a rat's ass. Um, we got a different issue. So I, we're in a point where parents um, 
are well-intended and love their children and have no idea actually what strength and conditioning is short of the movies or some bad TV shows or whatever the hell they're showing on TV. Opposed to professionals like yourselves who actually know what the hell they're doing because they understand you have a competency. You're not, you're not the backup history, you know, the D line code of history who looks strong. You look strong. That's how they did it years ago in the, in the NFL when they needed. So hey, let's get, we got to get strong. Well, who knows how to get strong? Power lifters do. Cool. Let's hire a bunch of power lifters, you know, in the seventies. We'll go get power lifters. They know how to get strong. Super true statement. Extremely true statement. But wrong, wrong way for this particular sport. So it is about educating and informing the parents. They're not all going to buy into how you do it, nor should they. If they're all buying in and you're doing it, then you're just a people pleaser. But I think that's a big part of it is that and understanding that on top of getting coaches and administration to support it. The guy we have at our school, I would argue, is making a bigger difference in these kids' lives than who's ever teaching Shakespeare. Because not one of these kids is going to read Shakespeare when they get older. But now every single one of them knows how to eat better, has had leadership lessons, knows how to lift weights that and, and exercise and all that, that hopefully they're doing the rest of their lives. Because not reading Shakespeare won't kill you. May get a little dumber, maybe not. Right. So, you know, we have to up level this profession perceptually and in reality. That's what we have to do. Not to ourselves. We can freaking you the three of us could sit here and agree all day. Get out there and 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 show the parents. No, this is what it is. This is what good looks like. Because I don't even know what good looks like um, without knowing what shitty looks like. But you just going, hey, that guy down the street doesn't know what he's doing. They don't understand that because the kid is sweating and working hard and he can't walk. And that must, that's awesome. Well, what else would they think? Of course it's awesome. No, no, here's what, here's what it actually is. Yeah, I think I think a big part of it is definitely the educational component. Um, you know, obviously we we do the social media thing and it is what it is, but you know, one of the things that I've been trying to do locally is just network with coaches and just talk and and not even it's not even a sales pitch. It's more of a, a conversational thing about, hey, listen, you know, when it comes to athletic development and and really long-term athletic development, um, this truly is the way. And and you know, youth sports is is um it's is huge, it's a multi-billion dollar industry, but um, there's so much misinformation because everybody thinks, well, just do what uh, Aaron Judge is doing. Just do what Cristiano Ronaldo is doing and your kid's going to be a soccer player. And there's just such a huge disconnect. And, um, you know, I know a big part of what you're working with right now is youth athletes and uh, really looking to sort of redefine the youth model um, and, and rethinking sort of physical education in general. I mean, these these models are clearly broken. They are they are clearly broken. But really, can it be fixed? And if it is going to be fixed, what's the best starting point? That's that's great. Yeah, I wish I had the answer. You know, it's funny. A friend of mine, John O'Sullivan, who runs a program called Change in a Game Project, he's just awesome. And he says, to, to your point on the Aaron Judge and what they're doing, right? He's like, 
uh, how old is Aaron Judge? I don't even. I don't know. I'm not sure, but he started playing when he was like he started playing pros when he was like 23 or 24 in the big leagues. So, I mean. Yeah, so it's like, okay, do what Aaron Judge does, right? Go do what the – what the hell was – was Aaron Judge doing that at 11 years old? Exactly. And by the way, don't for one minute and, – and I'm not here to kill dreams. Don't for one minute think you got Aaron Judge in your house. <laughs> you don't. You don't. And if you do, if Jeter is your child, if the next Derek Jeter is your child, He's going to get there in spite of you and everybody else. All you're going to do is screw him up, probably. <laughs> right? So, or turn him off or whatever it is. And again, I'm not here to kill dreams. Um, let's understand this, you know, the, and I'm so into the LTED models, as you brought up. Um, one, of the, one of the many uh, downsides of the LTED models is that we've interpreted it as a linear, a linear progression toward pro sports. Here's your pyramid or here's your line or the stupid shape they want to draw. The square for this, whatever, elite, right? You just do this, do this, and you'll get there. Um, and it ain't going to happen. Um, and, you know, the numbers, you know, 97% of kids are done playing sports in high school. 70% of our kids are quitting by the age of 13. And that's because it ain't fun anymore because of, a lot of reasons um, uh, 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 that are simple, actually. So these, you know, look, people broke it. People can fix it. You know, <laughs> um, again, I, yeah, bring up Marv Levy. Uh, he used to say what's right isn't always popular and what's popular isn't always right. So you got to get like grassroots. Uh, this is me, right? You know, uh, uh, you know, and I know. There's many ways to make these systemic changes, right? You can go to one coach or you can go to a, to a superintendent and affect the entire school system. Like, right. Like I, however policies, I don't know about changing policy and all that. I know this, like one equals two, two's four, four's eight. Right. So if you can get people back on this, right. And you know, you brought up you. I don't know. I see all numbers. It's 17 billion. It's $28 billion industry. Of course the sharks are coming. Of course they are, right? Um, you know, and, and, and like John Wooden, hey, here's how we do it. Can't worry about that. This is what we do it. We're not necessarily for everybody and we don't have to be, right? But this is like the way we do it. This is how it, but you gotta have an awareness of what it is. And, you know, so many of us love knowledge, right? And that gets you about nowhere. Now you're just a smarter, annoying guy at the bar. Let's take some action on it. Like, here's awareness. Fantastic. Well, that's nice. I have 4,000 ideas in the shower that I could be a billionaire on. Never done one. Right? Let's take action on them. And let's wrap some accountability around it. Right? So go do it. And, and just do the thing. And, you know, Things go viral for some reason, right? You know, um, you know, like I said, I, I don't have the answer. I know that um, if you're doing the right thing, the rest doesn't matter. And, you know, um, I could spend all day talking about this jerk's over there selling dreams to your child, right? I can just talk about 
here's 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 a path like i happen to have had a career that has worked for with the athlete the life cycle of the athlete from birth so to speak to post-career i've at least seen it right i've seen what it looks like and so if you like the idea of begin with the end in mind you know if you want your child to be a pro athlete i'd like to show you a big uh, slew of former athletes and let them talk to you on how great it was because they all ain't John Elway and it all doesn't end like that. And so you fix it with just doing the, the right thing and, and, and creating awareness, creating action around it and, and letting it happen. Um, it's not popular. It's not sexy. It doesn't sell anything. It's not great on social media and all that. It may sound old school, but you know, um, I've been around long enough now, probably like you guys, where I've actually seen, maybe we're probably going on the third cycle at this point, but I've actually seen carbohydrates be both good and bad, protein be both good and bad, and fat be both good and bad in my lifetime. Well, what the hell is it? You know, I've seen, you know, we've seen all them, these come and go, right? come and go come and go but the good things hang on right great martial arts hangs on yoga hangs on right like gymnastics hangs on great athleticism hangs on all this other nonsense like you know the the the, the what you used to call it eric the uh the um the cool exercise guy, the cool exercise of the day or whatever the hell yeah cool exercise guy <laughs> so as you're talking john i'm thinking you know it's, it's easy for us to say as professionals, because like you said, we've had the advantage of seeing it at all tiers. Um, it's not as easy as being the parent. And I've been the parent in it who knows it and still was the kid, was the parent with a kid who played on three different baseball teams. Um, and I often had to pull the reins back to, to keep myself in check to realize the more I try to stack up short-term advantages, like I'm going to go to the best pitching coach, the best hitting coach, whatever, when, when they're 13, the more I try to stack them up, the more um, it, it took away from the long-term successes. Right. And so there was, I was fortunate enough that the one thing that always stuck in my mind is it was a great coach that I still work with to this day. And I remember my kids were at a tournament out in Staten Island and uh, we pull up at this baseball tournament in the spring and across the street, they're having full padded spring football right? For kids that are maybe 11, 12 years old. And I called them up. I'm like, Chris, do you really play full contact spring football? And he had the greatest line. He said to me, Eric, you know what that is? That's the surefire way to make sure your kid's smoking a cigarette and riding a skateboard in front of the bowling alley by the time he's 16. <laughs> That's right. So, so, you know, we, it, it's easy for us to say, cause we've, we've seen it from all sides, but, but when you're in it and Mike, you're going through it now right? It's easy to say, but how many lacrosse practices your kids have this week? Yeah. Um, only two actually, which is a good thing, but, um, but so, you know, it's interesting because this is my, my, you know, a little bit of an off track thing, but I want to kind of discuss this because it is important. Um, there is a sweet spot when it comes to, uh, focusing on the sport that you love and, and my oldest son loves lacrosse. Um, and I'm not, he wants to play more, but I'm not going to force him to play more, but there's the sweet spot because there's some clubs locally that you can practice five, six nights a week. And literally like, if you don't do a certain amount of wall balls in a certain amount of time, you don't 
you will get cut off the team. Like, like that's literally happening at U10, U11. And then there's other club sports where it's just like, well, if you have four grand, you can get the hoodie and you can get the t-shirt and you can play club, right? And and I, I think it needs to be uh, sort of somewhere in the middle, right? Because um, we all want our kids to do well. We all want our kids to succeed in sports. No one wants their kid to be the worst on the team. No one wants to lose all the time. That that's If anybody says anything otherwise, they're absolutely bullshitting you. But there is something that I think the biggest thing we need to preach is patience when it comes to the development of our kids. And um, if when it stops being fun, then it, you need to stop. And, and that's what it really boils down to, in my opinion. And, um, you know, I always I always tell my oldest son, you don't have to do any of this. Like, I, you really don't. So it, this is going to be your decision. And if you want to train and you want to, uh, you know, and you want to get better, cool, we'll do it. But I'm never going to force you to do anything um, because I just don't believe in that. So it's, you know, it's tough because as a parent, you do, even though my son's 11, I want him to be the best kid on the team. It's just not going to happen. And will it happen? I don't know. Um, and, and as parents, we do. And I get it. Like, I understand. I actually wrote a blog about this saying how like you sports is getting destroyed and I'm probably part of the problem. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I try to do my best to not be the crazy friggin' dad. That's like, you know, we got to do this. We got to do this. We got to do this. It's like, you know, go out and just like go in the yard, play, like figure it out, just goof around. Like I try, one of the things that I try to do with, all, with, with a lot of the kids that I work with is leave time for just unstructured play, like have fun, create, goof around. And I think one of the things that, that we see in sports, and again, I know we're getting sidetracked here is, you know, say a kid does this really, really fancy playing a game and he, and he achieves it. The whole entire team and, and the coaches are going to be like, hell of a job, right? But what happens if that same kid did the fancy thing and he fell on his ass or he turned it over, which resulted in something poor? Well, now that kid sucks and he's going to get benched. And what, what, because of that, that double standard, what, what kind of message are we sending our young athletes, right? That is just, we're, that's, that's one of the surefire ways to screw them up. And like, like Eric said, they're going to be riding a skateboard, smoking a cigarette in front of the bowling alley, right? So um, it's, it's a slippery slope. And, you know, I think, and I'll be the first one to, you know, admit it again. Like, I think strength coaches are a part of the problem and, and parents are a part of the problem, but, you know, the, the first step is awareness, right? Um, and, uh, I think there's, there's definitely a way that you can, you can help young kids work towards their goals, but it has to be in a very supportive, appropriate fashion. Yeah, it's a great point. You know, I don't care who you are when your DNA is out there. Your, this is how we're wired. Like I didn't, it's not my opinion. Like when your DNA is out there, you have almost no ability to make rational decisions or have can you say that to my wife? <laughs> but that's, it's true, right? So that, I mean, why do you think we have no referees left, right? So this is a big deal. Um, and I think our generation, right? Like the previous generation, you know, I, you know, I was going, I was riding my bike to football practice in Pop Warner and Parents say, where, where are you going? I got football. I didn't know you played football. I mean, you know, I'm embellished, but like, right now we're like, we're there. We're like hyper involved, right? We got, we got the freaking snacks. We're, we're dialing up my kids, friends, their parents are showing them film. None of them are interested at all. <laughs> um, and so 
the question is, whose time is it? Like, go play in your stupid bar league softball league. And if you really want to have some fun, bring your child there and just say, do me a favor. Sit in the stands and do what I do. And I'm going to play bar league softball. And then you see how the hell it feels when he's screaming at you or screaming at the ref or biting his tongue or saying nothing or being on their phone, not being present, acting like they're taking their uh, um, shooting video. No, you're never going to watch it. Knock it off. And well, post it on social media. Really? Is that why you're here to post your child on social media? Like, so do that. And this is not your time. This is your time to be a parent in support of what they're doing. They most most of them don't care as much as you think they do. What I tell our parents is it's a push versus pull. When they're pulling you to say, I want to go to practice, when they're pulling you to say, Can you come in the yard and throw a ball with me? versus you going, let's get in the yard and, and throw, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw five hundred balls to you till you hit four hundred and ninety-nine of them. Um, this is this is the skateboard smoker at the bowling alley. Um, which is forever now a great freaking line. Um, but it's but it's hard and it takes so much self-awareness to do that. And by the way, do you want like this is a tough quote like you gotta look in the mirror like because we all go through it. Do you want your child to be the best one out there for you or for them? We all want to say for them. Check yourself for a minute, just a minute. Because <laughs> it's pretty cool to walk around town being the dad of the best ball player. You know, that's pretty cool, right? Or is it? Is it? I don't know. I don't know. If he happens, it's fantastic. Fantastic. Um, and there's nothing wrong with teaching them how to set goals. Of course they should know. Do you know anybody that's successful that doesn't set goals? They were. They won the lottery. It happened by accident. Like, there's, right? That's the beauty of sports. It's what you get from it by giving so much to it. So how dare we sit in those stands and get our low backs hurting on those freaking bleachers and ruin it for them. Like, let them screw up. And the only time, our coaches here at the high school my kids went to, none of them knew me. The strength coach knew me I knew him a little bit um he was shocked that I never said a word over there so well they have coaches and unless you're either destroying my kid verbally or you're going to take my son with a small scoliosis and squat him you're never going to hear from me you're the coach work it out work it out am I an absentee father hell no I'm not an absentee father but I'm all you know does the strength coach need me there too for what does a math teacher need me there because I'm an accountant? The accountant would never show up in math class. Why are we screaming on the field? So I want to circle it back um, to to the coach and and how much the coach takes on the the uh, the ownership, the responsibility, and and really has the courage to say that's not the way we do things around here. Um, and and I think of two examples of one. I had a really cool experience that after my kids were out. Uh, of youth sports, I got asked to come back and volunteer and I coached a, a baseball team of middle school kids for four years. And it was very cool to not have that pressure of any of my DNA being out there. And it, it allowed me to, to really be to, to learn a second time going through the culture. And 
one of the things that always stood out that I, that I was probably most proud of wasn't any of the championships or tournaments we won as I, it was a, we were doing indoor training was in a basketball gym at the local PAL. And one of the dads emailed me and said, Hey, Brendan can't make it to uh, one of the practices this week. Cause he has two rec uh, basketball uh, playoff games. And, and then in parentheses, he, he felt like he had to justify it's not competitive. He's just doing it for fun. And he said, which one is more, which practice is more important. So I know which basketball game to miss. And I wrote back and I said, first of all, you don't need to justify. He's supposed to be having fun. That's why it's rec basketball. And number two is I said, no practice in January is important. And I said, if he shows up at baseball practice, I'm sending him back to go home to go to basketball like that. But that's, that's to your point. That's the parent just doesn't know the parent wants to please and, and is doing their best. And then I had this conversation yesterday with one of our athletic trainers at the high school I work with, and we were talking about just the, the, the responsibility and the, and the level of the high school kids. And when I hear constantly bitching of coaches saying, oh, these kids don't show up, oh, they're not responsible, they don't do any of this stuff. The team, I had a high school baseball team in there, and they were screwing around and, and kind of not, you know, kind of lollygagging through the warmups. And I stopped it. And I said, listen, if you want people to take you serious, take you seriously, you need to start taking yourself seriously and just kind of change the tone of the room. And when I tell you for the rest of the hour, they were awesome, like at going out of their way to making sure the weight room was perfect. And I, that just really hit me again as a reminder. It's not the kids. It's you. Kids are fine, man. The kids are fine. Um, and, and they crave discipline, but you have to know what discipline means. It's what you just did. They crave boundaries. Otherwise, you got chaos. And everything just being, no, there's, there's, there's ways. So, I, I mean, I commend you on that. Um, to tease out one thing you said, this is, it's so fascinating to me because we hear it all the time. That's, that's the fun, that's the fun league. Racking, right? Translated as grab ass, I don't know, whatever the hell's going on. Or like, right? Like, it's just some chaos. That's the competitive league. When you're done screwing around and you want to play, we're over here. Have you bring listened your, to bring pro- your checkbook? Yeah, bring your checkbook. But have you listened to pro athlete interviews? Have you listened to them talk about the joy and the fun? Steve Kerr, one of their core values is joy at the freaking Warriors. Like, if you don't have joy in it and fun, whether it's a sport or whatever. So to talk about that's the fun league. When we get over here, though, this isn't about fun. We got to, I mean, if, you know, we got to know how to, to, to do to do a Euro step and we're going to be serious about it. Of course, you're going to be serious about it. Of course you are. But over here, this, like, competition, right, this guy, Joe Ehrman, one of the greatest humans of all time, I think, um, wrote a book called Inside Out Coaching. Joe defines competition as a mutual quest for excellence. Right. And when you sit there and think about it, right, because you can't get better without competition and you're both trying to be excellent. So competition isn't stomping on the guy or standing over the guy with a throat slash when when he's under you. It's I need you and you need me to be excellent. That's it. And and (laughs) I'm going to fiercely compete with you. But it's this mutual quest for excellence. So why can't that exist in in rec versus whatever? And if, you know, I've heard, I've heard ball players all the time. You say, don't let them steal your joy. Like talking about maybe a coach that they weren't too fond of. Right. And so 
there's something about this element of of that when I like it and it's not unicorns cupcakes and rainbows and recess and everything's great or whatever and 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 all that there's there's a real joy in progress there's a real joy in consistent development right there's there's something of that it does you know there's a there's a joy in a struggle right and if you coach rec basketball it doesn't mean get off the damn ferry and tell them to scrimmage because you didn't prepare. That's a you problem. Let's just wreck. How dare you? How dare you? You got 12 kids in front of you. You mean just wreck. I don't hear that. I'm just a volunteer. Then don't sign up. Don't sign up. Don't say just so, a volunteer. Here's a dollar. Now you're paid. Now what? So tell us where what you're working on now falls in that spectrum, I-9 sports and, and kind of where that falls in the continuum of club sports, travel, AAU, rec, town sports. You have something kind of all altogether different. Yeah, where we fall on I-9, you know, I never had any intention of actually going into a youth sports business. I've had trusted friends of mine tell me to do it, but it came after I got tired of flapping my gums and being a knowledge guy, not doing anything. Um, and so this I-9 sports, which is about 215 across the country, uh, most in the Sun Belt, but I-9 sports to your question specifically, kind of falls in between, if you will, in between Parks and Rec and your privatized, I don't even know what to call all that. Um, and they're all not bad, don't get me wrong um by any stretch um uh so we kind of fall in between that our our coaches and coordinator but we're, we're a recreational we do competitive we're a recreational local league we happen to be in monmouth county in new jersey um that's our kind of territory i always laughed when you know kids are young and either you're going through this now mike eric you went through it why am i driving from new jersey to Western Ohio, passing 50,000 elementary schools and 200,000 kids that look the same like the ones I'm showing up to play against. I passed a million of them, and now I got to stay in a hotel, eat nachos at Bennigan's, and go home with a stomach ache. We could have done that locally, right? And so um, I don't begrudge travel, but I'm not sure who's enjoying it. Like, ask your kids, do they really like the pink eye pools, or what are we doing? You know? And so, um, you know, we, we're in Monmouth County. We have venues across the county. We play multiple sports, you know, so over multiple seasons. Obviously, we espouse a multiple sport um, program. We don't sport specialize. We even actually, if I find some of our kids are playing too many se seasons, which our seasons are seven, seven weeks, we play in practice one in a row. I actually tell them, you're done. I don't want to see you in this sport either do another sport or do nothing. Now what you do, like, I'm, you know, don't go to another place. Like, you want to go behind my bed, whatever, but no. And they're shocked that like, you don't want, I'm like, no, I'm not in, I'm not in this for your $169 registration fee. Like, I don't want to see your kid doing that because I actually want to see you, your family and your child for a long time doing this and, and enjoying it. And then not begrudging coming here. And so we run multiple sports over multiple seasons. Um, our sport coordinators, our head coaches, are all 
either school teachers, longtime coaches, or work in the school system. We then have a mix of young coaches, college and high school kids um, that are learning from these older coaches, but also paying it forward themselves who have great competencies and great ability to relate to the kids. And we have volunteer coaches, but our code, like, so a lot of the parents come, many of the, almost all of them comment to me about our coaches and coordinators. Like, where did you get these coaches? And I'm like, they're in the brick buildings that say school on like, these are the people that know what they're doing. The problem is all of when your little angel gets in trouble, you go to the school and blame the teacher. You actually don't know that they actually have a skill set of how to manage a room and work with kids and growth and development, especially now with so many things going on with our kids. Um, and you just, thank God you're not allowed to go sit and click. Can you imagine if we were allowed to go sit in math class and your kids at the board, you know, you're like, no, carry the four. Like, can you imagine that mess? But we, we let them be, you know, we let them sit in the stands and screen. Right. And so we don't have that where we are because we set that culture and our culture pleases itself. Quite honestly, you won't hear, you won't hear any of that mess uh, where we are, um, uh, including with the officials and all of that, our officials stop and teach, but, we have, these are who are directing our sports. I'm so proud of that because our staff is amazing because they are school teachers and coaches. Um, that's who we want. That's who we're looking for. And then they're able to work with the volunteers up level the way they know how to coach. It's great when a great mom or dad or aunt or uncle is coaching. Their biggest fear is they don't know anything about the sport. Okay, well, we, we have somebody that knows the sport. You know, here's how you do it. And, here, you know, we have training and all that. And so we don't allow everybody to volunteer just because you have time and you're not a sex predator doesn't mean I'm accepting of you standing in front of children. I need to know a little more. Then you have time and you're not a sex predator. It's a big problem in our country. You know, I-9 itself, we have across the country, I think there's like 60,000 volunteer coaches amongst the millions of kids that are playing. That's an amazing opportunity or a toxic nightmare. Right. So that's what what we're trying to take these adults in the community, put them in front of these children to grow and develop them, to have them enjoy it, to have them be fulfilled by it, to want to keep going. Because the 97 percent that are done in high school are done. The other couple of percent that play in college. And by the way, the only real scholarships being awarded are in football and basketball. It doesn't exist in the other sports like that. It's a big misnomer, right? Baseball, Eric and stuff. Um, and then you're done, right? Even Derek Jeter is a bar league softball player now. Now, right? Like this is like, right? So let's like look at this thing, um, you know, for what it is. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to educate informed parents. We're trying to get them to put their damn cell phones down and watch and be present because they're going to yell at their kids for being on their phone when they're trying to talk to them later anyway. So we're trying to get this, this culture of what this is. And when kids make mistakes, we tell them. Not, you know, you throw a ball halfway over the rim. You're not great. You're not a bad person. The, the play wasn't right. Like let's, you know, it's pendulum swinging. Like, don't ever say a, don't say no to a kid or don't say they made a mistake. Like, no, no, no. We, we, we have a basketball coach. He sits the kids down and they talk about the mistakes they made for five minutes when it's over. Like who made them? They, and at first it starts, it's interesting to watch. They all rate now they're all raising their hand talking about their mistakes. What did you do? I double dribbled. Okay. What do you do next? I did this. And then the coach, here's the mistakes I made today as a coach. 
wow, an adult actually saying they made a mistake in front of kids. Amazing. You know, and then the kids, well, what'd you do? Well, you know, and so recognizing a mistake, owning it, being in an environment where they know that they learn from mistakes, that's okay. And I know I, I, I railed off here, but it's, you know, yeah, we play soccer and t-ball and baseball and basketball and volleyball and flag football and all these sports. Um, but these are simply for me are the conduit to get these unbelievable coaches and teachers in front of these kids in front of these parents to show them you say well, it's broken i'm telling you there's a way to do it you know now we're not we're just in monmouth county right we're not but great i love where i live i'd like to up level the area if i can by a millimeter that's awesome stuff so before we wrap up mike any final thoughts on your end Uh, no, I mean, this is a, a wealth of information, a wealth of knowledge. And, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, particularly the information on, you know, youth sports and high school sports is, uh, is super important because, uh, you know, that is those are the individuals that are going to, you know, down the road be, you know, the the professional athletes, if you will, or be the leaders and the coaches and the teachers. So it's important that we, um, you know, we set a solid foundation, not only from a, obviously we've we're talking about athletic development, but. Um, just the importance of just being a, just a good human being and caring and communication, all those other things that really don't have anything to do necessarily with sports directly. Yes, they do. But those are just qualities of being a good human. And, and I think that at the end of the day, like you were talking about, you know, being that coach um, that has the impact. And, and I think that's what we should all strive to be. I, I forget who said it, but, you know, something along the lines of be the coach that, you know, down the road when your athletes come back you want to be the guy that they want to come back and have a beer with right be that coach and and i think that's at the end of the day that's what it's really about i got a question for you guys what are the principles of performance i mean that's what you name the thing what are they? well you got to take the course oh oh yeah <laughs> No, and, and, and we, we've hit on some of them and, 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 you know, we took an approach to strength and conditioning the same way, you know, you kind of have is taking a step back and saying like, look, the reps and sets and all the, that kind of stuff that we're all arguing on Twitter about, that's maybe the least important of what makes your output, your outcomes successful. Right. And it, and it starts in, in the whole, in our course, it starts with, breaking down and getting out of your silo and not believing that your thing is the only thing. And then it goes from there to, to, you know, getting to know the individual or the group in front of you and asking key questions um, because it doesn't matter what their FMS score is or what their 40 is or what their max bench is. If you don't know some key elements about who this person is and what makes them tick. So um that's where we kind of start the thing. And then we eventually get to the reps and sets. And then you start to see, well, all of that is built on top of that stuff that we learned in the beginning. Awesome. So uh, we will certainly be posting the, the link to I-9 Sports so people could find out more about that because um, it is a it is a big deal that extends just beyond where you're working in, in Monmouth County. Other than that, I Tareen's pretty much off the grid, so don't be looking for him on social media. Um, and and uh, even though we spent a good amount of time, there's so much more we could have gotten to. We didn't even get a single Teen Wolf reference in there, and and we only I only got mocked for my my alma mater once in in the hour plus. So uh, we might have to circle back and do this again. We need a we need a part two, yeah. We might have to do that. We'll do the Thanks. next one. The next one we'll do with a couple beers. See how that goes. <laughs> what? With a couple beers. <laughs> there you go. There you go.
Awesome. Well, we want to thank you, John. And we want to thank everybody for listening. This has been the Principles of Performance Podcast. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to the Principles of Performance Podcast. If you've enjoyed our content, please like and share on your social media outlets, as well as subscribe and give us a review on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or whatever your preferred platform is to listen to. For more information on the Principles of Program Design courses and workshops, visit us at www.principlesofprogramdesign.com and follow us on all of the social media channels where we post new content every day. To save 10% on any PPD courses, enter the discount code PRINCIPLESPODCAST10 at checkout. If you have any questions we can answer or suggestions for the show, you can email us at info at principlesofprogramdesign.com or message us on social media. Thank you again for your support.